It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sunderland are back to winning ways, perhaps not in the most convincing sense of the word, perhaps in a sense of the word that you're absolutely fine with. But regardless, Sunderland have picked up three points in the league and are through to the next round of the Carabao Cup after dispatching Sheffield United. Welcome back to the Roker Report podcast. My name is Alex and I am in a far better mood than I was last time out when it was just me and Anthony in that uh, really weird two-man job of a pod that descended into insanity within one hour. But thankfully this time round, I believe we should be a lot more sane. I am joined in the studio by three guests. The first, Sun FM's Lauren. How are you doing, Lauren? Good, brilliant. Happy Good to stuff. be here. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Uh, as, as I've said, there's as far as these pods go, um, uh, I didn't have much to beat last week, but you know, we've, we've, <laughs> we've got two wins, so I'm, I'm decent. And we are also joined by a man who perhaps isn't the most popular person when the <laughs> um, brands of Roker Report or Roker Report are mentioned. It is the notorious player rater, Jimmy Lawson. The m- Still public enemy number one, yeah, even yeah. after my appearance in April. Yeah, yeah. Sad times. The man who has was responsible for many greatest hits, oh. um, uh, such as Denver Hume, one out of ten. That was brilliant. Not, no one got angry about that. People are angry about the McGeady getting a six. They're like, oh, before the goal, he was rubbish. But no one really cared. No one well, really cared about what, Hume, what, what one, you apart had, from you, Alex. What you had, Jimmy, after the Bolton game was the smokescreen of the Ross out. Yeah, so you, you could it. slide some you could slide some yeah. t- controversial numbers under the radar and nobody really batted an eyelid. Yeah. I mean, obviously, m- me with my, my eagle eye and my knowledge of you as a person, I was straight in there. <laughs> you know, someone had to let you know that you were wrong yeah. this time, Jimmy. And because Joe Bloggs on Twitter couldn't do it, it had to be me. But you yeah. know, it, you're as good as your last game, and people weren't angry with me last week, they're angry with Jack Ross. So yeah. I feel as if I'm still I'm in good form like Sunderland. Well, you know, you say good form, I say you had a David Moyes purple patch <laughs> going into Christmas, but you know, and our third guest in in the studio is a man better known for podcasts which do tend to take a, a, a more inclined turn to insanity. He is a man better known from Atletico Mints and Top Flight Time Machine. It is Atletico Mints and Top Flight Time Machine's very own Andy Dawson. How are you doing, Andy? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Ah, you're very glad you could make it. How have you been doing? Um, You know, muddling along. Yeah. I'm all right. What uh, constitutes muddling along, though, Andy? Uh, well, just lurching from one personal crisis to another. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> um, you know, bit like Sunland, really. Yeah, That's yeah. Kind of why I'm here. Uh, I feel your pain. I mean, sometimes my crises um, uh, extend to existential as well. But you yeah, know, personal yeah, personal yeah. is always a always a, a safe bet for yeah. a, for a crisis. Anyhow, things that aren't really a crisis at Sunderland. Um, uh, well, first of all, we'll start in chronological order for this week. We'll start with the Sheffield United game. Sunderland dispatched Sheffield United away one nil. The first ever time Sunderland have beaten two Premier League teams before October since two thousand and nine, which is an incredible stat. 
only took two relegations for us to emulate that form again, apparently. Make of that what you will, but a max power worldie was the difference as we beat the home side of Bramall Lane to advance to the last 32 of the Cup. So, you know, let's talk about the only thing that really matters in that game as far as the game itself is concerned. The goal. Jimmy, start with you. Yeah, it's a beauty. He gets out his feet well and then just curls it into the top corner. And as we saw again on Saturday, Max Power, he's, he's a talent. He's scored, I'd say, about half a dozen technically excellent goals since he's been at Sunderland. Like The Gillingham one, I thought, was really underrated when we beat them 4 on away. And he's on the run, outside of the boot, into the far corner. The Peterborough one, when we drew 1-1 with them. If we'd have won that game, his sort of curling effort in the bottom corner from 25 yards... That was brilliant as well. And that's just the talent he's got. So, yeah, magnificent goal, magnificent result. And now I guess all four of us are going to have to care about the League Cup because we've got a great chance of, well, getting to within two games of Wembley. Well, I suppose when you get this far in the Cup, you know, you've beaten two Premier League teams away. When you do that well, I think you kind of have to care, I suppose, don't you? No. No? no I, don't, <laughs> I don't want another Cup run. I certainly don't want another Wembley visit. This season, um, it's the distraction that we don't need, I think. Mm-hmm. To be fair, this this might be relevant or not, but um, as the Sheffield United match was going on, I was at Wembley Stadium. Right. Because I was doing a, a podcast recording on Thursday morning and oh, the cheapest hotel I get was the Premier Inn next to Wembley Park Tube Station. So I don't know whether that, you know, superstition or whatever, whether that brought us the look that we needed to get us through. But I don't want to go back there again in a hurry. I got off the tube, the, the, those steps at the top of Wembley where... And I just saw much of that pain came back mm-hmm. from those two yeah. visits this year. And we almost walked down Wembley Way with the muscle memory of I've walked this path before it, alongside uh, happy yeah. Pompey fans and happy Charlton fans. And neither time on the way back was I a happy Sunderland it, fan. It kind of was like that. Yeah, it was like, I mean, you know, so much. I was talking to someone a couple of days ago and he'd said, um, a mate of mine said he didn't realise the Checker Trade trophy meant so much to him mm-hmm. until he was at Wembley. Yep. You know, and we we lost it. But um, yeah, it was it was that kind of thing. It was like here's where all that pain was caused mm-hmm. months ago, and I I don't want another cup run. I don't want to get any further. We just need to get out of this damn league that we're in, mm-hmm. and then work on whatever else after that. Yeah. So, so if we bowed out one nil away to Oxford oh, in the I'd cup, be dancing in the street. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> It's perfectly understandable given how we've felt about League One. I mean, the novelty has well and truly worn off, yeah, hasn't it? You definitely. know, it was fun up until, well, up until we started to, to lose significant games, really. I think as far as we got to the Checker Trade Trophy, and I think that was the turning point for yeah, me where I thought, you know definitely. what, I don't want to be in the Checker Trade Trophy with our senior team. I, I do just want to be in a better division with a yeah. better team and a better standard of football. You know, I, I, I can totally sympathise, Andy. I think we do just need to principally get out of the league. Anything else is a nice bonus, but it's probably mm. a burden that we don't need in the long run. Yeah. But anyway, back to the actual game itself. And obviously, Max Power in two games now has been absolutely tremendous. And his contributions just, they you know, they, they can't be faulted to absolutely tremendous goals. And the first of those was obviously the one against Sheffield United. So I'll, I'll throw this question to you, Lauren. Was it a mistake on Jack Ross's part to leave Max Power as out in the cold as he has been? favouring instead players like Grant Ledbetter, who a lot of us feel just kind of slows the game down? 100%. I think when you've got a player like Max Power that can knock in a goal the way he does, why in your right mind would you not put him on the pitch at any given opportunity? We've seen players like Ledbetter, though, I suppose, to, to maybe form a counter-argument there. Ledbetter's looked very likely when he has played of, not, of knocking the ball in from distance as well, but obviously he's 
probably been a bit less lucky than Power has. What does Power have that Ledbetter therefore doesn't? He's better, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) He knows what what he's doing and Ledbetter just isn't up to the standard that we need for him to replace a player like Max Power. Mm -hmm. Do you think Ledbetter would probably look better in a side that was more on the defensive than the offensive? Or do you think it is just a case that Power is just the better player? Power is just the better player. He finds the net when he needs to. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. I think think early on last season when we first got him, I think Max had that in his locker goals like the ones he scored this week mm-hmm. and I think his confidence was absolutely shot by those red cards he got last season he oh, never looked like the same player again after that but I think he's beginning to get it back now which is obviously you know massive bonus for us another yeah. thing as well is that we're talking about power and lead bitter I think part of the problem was last season quite often they were playing together and it just doesn't really work because neither of them are naturally defensive so Max Power would essentially try and play like Catamol. I mean, we've seen it when they played together this season. He'd run around, he'd get yellow cards, he'd miss tackles because neither of them have the instincts that, say, a Dylan McGeek has to see the space, to see where the danger's developing. So when we're playing the two together, Max Power's not playing his natural game. Ledbitter, to an extent, was. He was sitting deep, he was throwing his passes, but he didn't have the right guy there to allow him to express himself. I think it's maybe the balance more than anything else that looks good mm-hmm. with McGee and Power, where you've got the more defensive-minded guy that allows Power to go out and express himself and score those goals. Because, I mean, Ledbitter and Dobson, in theory, should have worked, because similarly to Parry's box-to-box, but Dobson's still sort of learning the game, whereas Power, more experience, more pedigree. It just looks like a good pairing and probably the best we've got. Yeah, there's a question though as well, Jimmy. Um, you're talking about how Ledbetter's natural role was to um, sit deep and maybe soak up possession and then distribute the ball from there. That's sort of how we've always seen Grant Ledbetter. But is it possible to argue that given the ambitions we have for this season, given the style of play we should be having against teams that are largely inferior to us on paper, should we even have a player that plays in Ledbetter's position? I think he's quite useful for some games. If you're going to sit, teams are going to sit in a low block they're going to defend deep against us like an AFC Wimbledon. Maybe having that guy you can switch to play, you can see the pass into feet, into our strikers, into theoretically our number 10, into 09. Having someone for those sort of games to bring off the bench in theory makes sense. I mean, I thought Peterborough was our best player. That's, that's another one of my uh, infamous player ratings, but I thought he was our best player in that game because that was a game where our, our mentality was all cautious. It was... Nil-nil's a good result here. Let's let's play it safe. And he's the one guy sometimes who is willing to get his foot on the ball and is willing to look forwards. So I do feel as if he has some use to the team. It's it's just about partnerships and finding the right pairing. And at the moment, he's not really in that. But I think it would be unfair to sort of say that he doesn't have a place in mm-hmm. the squad. I'm going to, again though, Jimmy, what you say there is you use an example of when it's worked to sort of be more cautious and slow the player down. Referencing Peterborough perhaps isn't the best example because that's the game where we lost 3-0. Now, I mean, I, I know what you're getting at, but now I want to attempt to do that with Ledbetter. It's it sort of backfired. I think every time this season that we've had a lack of sort of pace in an engine in the middle of the games where we've been largely undone, like I, I, I think back to Coventry where um, I think it was Jordi Huwula and Baiten Abakare w- w- were obviously very quick. They're very pacey players and they just ran through the middle like a hot knife through butter mm. and just tore us to bits. I remember thinking that 5-4 was probably quite a flattering scoreline because 5-0 <laughs> yeah. was the more fair result. We were just extremely clinical on the day. But yeah, um, I think that's probably a point that brings us quite nicely into the MK Dons game because all we really had to say is, as far as the 
Sheffield United game goes is that we're through to the next round of the cup and Max Power did very well to, to score the goal he did. And he did just the same against MK Dons. Obviously, we won 2-1, courtesy from Max Power Screamer, and then a lovely chip from Luke O9. Uh, a very good result, all things considered. And it was a game where we saw quite a few uh, different changes. For As far as the Ross back-in campaign goes to convince the Ross outers, it was one step that he's taken on a long road to get a lot of the fans back on side. But, obviously, uh, uh, but ultimately, I think he made the right decisions. What do you think about Jack Ross's team selection, uh, Lauren, in that game? It worked. Um, I couldn't really complain too much. We took three points. Max Power got a good goal. Or nine got a goal. How can you complain when you're taking three points? I think that's pretty fair and to the point. Yeah, I would say so. Looking at the midfield, I would say, as, as a specific, obviously, it's taken Ledbitter out. How much more lively did we look? A lot more. And I also think Aidan McGeady not being on the pitch makes a difference. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. How it's, so? It's they're not scared anymore. It's like it's Aiden's game when he's on the pitch, but when he's not on the pitch, they're you know running up and down. We get a max mm-hmm. power goal like we've seen, but without McGeady. And but McGeady's such a good player, so it's like you're stuck between putting him on and having everyone standing behind him, not putting him on and getting goals. But he is a good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is that over reliance on McGeady, isn't there? I yeah. think because we're all just so aware, all everyone from us to Jack Russell know that in League One, he's. he's Probably, well, I say probably, he's definitely the best player in terms of quality and pedigree. Yeah. We haven't, this league has hitherto never seen a, a man like Aidan McGeady in it. But does that, do you think, give us a sense of like when he's on the pitch, we have to get the ball to him because he's just there and it's daft not to? Yes, he's, you know, he pulls a couple of tricks, he scores a good goal when he gets the chance. But I think it makes them scared. It, mm-hmm. They don't think they can take their chance while Aidan's on the pitch, so we'll have to give it to him because he's the one that does well. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. Yeah, almost as if that when Denver Hume or Luke O'Niner on the ball, they're perhaps too polite and think, right, well, McGeady's in space. I could take this man on and cut inside, or I could or I could just send the ball down to Wade and then just sort of let him do what he's meant to do. Yeah, and sort of let him take a chance. He might miss, whereas I might have got it sort of thing. Yeah. And I just think it puts fear in them from mm-hmm. taking chances that they are capable of taking. Yeah, and I think perhaps based on just like sheer probability, it might not always be the case that just giving the ball to Aiden every time isn't the best idea because what we've seen in recent games is that when we have sent the ball to him more times than we've sent it to anybody else, he's done a lot of falling over. He's, yeah. he's missed a few. I mean, he's come close, you know, given, but ultimately he hasn't scored. And perhaps if we were just a bit more expressive and a bit more varied with who we're passed to, yeah, we could have reaped the rewards. 100% yeah. and give it to the, the young'uns that want to take their chances as mm-hmm. far as I can see and maybe keeping McGeady off the pitch for a little while isn't going to do us as much harm as it should, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Is there a case to be made as well, Andy, that it's probably good, I know McGeady's injured so he misses out by default, but just resting him for a bit, just taking the, the spotlight off him, does that benefit him and the team? Yeah, I think it does. I'm, I can just back up what was said there. It will be nice to not have to rely on Aidan McGeady. It would be nice to know that we've got enough in our locker to get results without having to you know, base our whole game around him kind of thing. And I think when he comes back from this injury, it wouldn't do anyone any harm for him to be on the bench for a couple of games just while he, you know, gets back into full fitness. And mm-hmm. and just to try that thing of seeing what it's like to bring him on with 25, 30 minutes to go and, you know, see if it, it changes a game mm-hmm. that, that we're already in control of, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, through those players being allowed to express themselves a bit more without having to, to revert to um, 
give it to Aiden and see what it can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously as well, he's he's getting on. Uh, I mean, the, the quality it, we're going to see it for the rest of this season. He's not going to like. It's not going to be like footy manager where you play an aged player in his mid thirties and you just watch the stats go down after every game. <laughs> you know, it's going to be fine until the season goes out. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that. But obviously, he is getting on, and while the quality is still there. And while the over-reliance is still there, is it quite like a logical decision to see him more as an impact sub? Or? Possibly. I mean, I've, I've said for a long time I'd like to see him play as a number 10 mm-hmm. because he, if he's more central, he's got that ability to... He can draw free kicks out of defenders in round the edge of the box. He can get shots away from mm-hmm. that, that position that he doesn't necessarily get the chance to do playing out wide. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that vision that he can bring other players in, um, whoever's playing up front. I mean, I don't know. I, I would have tried him there a while ago, but maybe he could be an impact sub mm-hmm. and come on and play in that position after all nines ran himself into the ground for 60 minutes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because what we have are very, as well, our attacking players, uh, they have a lot of ability for League One and that is definitely matched by the work ethic, something that we haven't often been able to say about Sunderland players in recent times, obviously. But there's a lot of logic in a player like, say, Luke or nine once he sort of like, as you say, run himself into the ground. If he comes off from a giddy, you've not only have you got fresh legs, you've got the the best that ones in the league. Know-how as well, yeah, yeah. Plus, as well, playing him as number ten, he's he's got both flanks to run to, hasn't he? You know, this in, is in true. Theory. Just let him, just let him drift wherever yeah. he wants to. Mm-hmm. If, just if, give him a totally free roll behind the striker. Yeah, the, the, that's it. Like, it's that like ambiguous term, <clears> the free roll, but obviously it is just what it is, isn't it? If mm. you give, if you let, if you give McGeady the ball, put him in the number ten role in the hole, and just said, right, just when you get the ball, just do what you do yeah. what you see fit. Because that would put the fear of God into some central defenders. Oh, because they wouldn't know what he's going to do. League. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If he plays on the wing, then Aidan McGeady is fundamentally an inside forward because you know what he's going to do. He's going to yeah. try and cut inside and shoot. They yeah. know what to do. They can prepare for that. He's a one-trick pony, effectively. So ultimately, that means that maybe one in every five shots he'll score and there'll be a lovely goal, but the rest he'll either miss or or he'll fall over. I yeah. don't know. Because he likes to do that now, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's let's just talk about the game as a as a whole, as a, as a, as a general thing that occurred. So uh, we'll go back to you for this one, Jimmy. What did you make of the MK Dons game as a whole? I thought it was a bit weird because nothing happened for 20 minutes. We score a wonder goal and you're like, oh, here we go. And then we were incredible up until half time, totally dominant. Get the second goal, could have got a third. And you're thinking, right, let's have it. Then absolutely nothing happens after half-time. Nothing's happening. Our intensity drops off. They look as if they're happy to take their 2-0 defeat. We gift them a goal back into the game. And then at the time, I thought, oh my God, here we go. Typical Sunderland. Here comes 2-2. But you kind of look back on the game. You look at the stats afterwards. And it was only really a few crosses here and there from MK Dons. We were relatively comfortable. So on the whole, it's a game where we were good value for the win. And we played quite well. But because the game ended on the downer, because we let in that goal in the second half, it kind of takes some of the shine off what was an improved performance, at least based on other home games this season. Mm-hmm. Would you say that we were bad in the second half? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But once again, it's it's sort of Jack Ross. He's, he's sort of a cautious manager by nature. He probably thought, well, there's no way this MK Dons team is scoring against us twice. We can kill the game here. <laughs> And and to a degree we did. I mean, it was a probably you'd say a McLaughlin error which let the team back in. But then he makes the change to bring Hume on, which gave us a bit more energy. And we ended up seeing out the game relatively comfortably. So although obviously from an attacking sense, you want more, you want Sunderland to be dominant. You want Sunderland to sort of put out a statement victory. On a whole, I guess you've got to be fairly pleased with the three points, especially when you take into account the pressure is under 
going into that match as well. I never ever feel comfortable with this Sunderland team being one goal in front, though. You know, <laughs> no, you're saying no. we saw the game out at two one, but you know, knowing what we're like defensively with with some of the hideous lapses that we have now and again. It, when we went 2-0 up, I said to my brother, I said, I'm going to put a quid on 2-2 here. <laughs> because I was half joking. Yeah. Um, because a true Sunderland fan knows that if you're about to experience disappointment, you may as well profit from it. Yeah. It was it was that it was that false dawn again that we've had so many times where we started brightly. Well, we didn't start that brightly, but once we got the first goal, then the second one came. And I said to my brother, you know, finally we're going to hand out a hammer into someone because it's long, long overdue. Mm-hmm. And there's times when we feel as though we're really on it today. We start well, get a goal or two early on, and you think, right, we can go on win this three or four maybe, and then just put it to bed. But it never, ever plays out like that. No. And yesterday was another example of that. They got the goal back again, and I thought, you know, here we go again. Yeah, we'd sort of put the game half to bed, hadn't we? And like, we never looked like we were going to go on and get that third one, which would have been the crucial goal. It's It's the same sort of Jack Ross sort of, Sunderland team that mm. we saw last season as well. The the kind of team where for 90 minutes, obviously they're playing, but for perhaps 30 and no more than 30, are they like very clinical or mm. at least trying to be? But obviously that's that, that's not going to get you the results you want um, 10 times out of 10. Because when you look against Rotherham, we had a very good spell against Rotherham, but obviously we got one goal. We, yeah. we fluffed the penalty and we didn't get any more. So that meant that when we died back down, they had a spell in the second half and they could get 1-1. And then all of a sudden, you know, your three points are compromised. And, and we're always prone to those sort of errors yeah. that lead to a, a goal coming in. You yeah. Know, one it, clean sheet this season. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and I mean, and, and hilariously, it's against the Premier League team. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> against teams in our division, in the third division of English football, we apparently cannot do that at all, which is, you know, which is very Sunderland. Worrying. Wor- very Sunderland, mm. yeah. That's, is that not what I said? Were they not direct <laughs> synonyms? <laughs> you know? <laughs> It, it's it's quite incredible. Um, it does make you wonder, though, and I'll throw this question to you, Lauren. Why is it that Jack Ross's teams can't seem to play well in the first 45 and at least play good in the second 45? Why do they always seem to just die off? I think his halftime talk is in a complete foreign language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see a different team. It is weird. The game um, the other day, yesterday... I went and got a drink and missed Max Powell's goal because I was watching boring football. Mm, that is devastating. Well, yes, absolutely <laughs> gutted. But I was just sat there and I was like, this is just not happening. Well, what was I waiting for? So I was like, right, I'll go now. Got a drink, missed the goal. That was the game it was, though. There was just nothing going on. There wasn't really. I mean, you could say we looked like quite comfortable but I think therein lies the problem that we just looked comfortable didn't we for most of the mm. game and MK Dons they were kind of threatening you know they might have got something on another day but you know we were the better team as you'd obviously expect as you'd obviously hope but yeah I mean there was that nice spell after the Max Power goal yeah. but that was again that that was that kind of Jack Ross model of game I was talking about where you play for 90 and you maybe look good for 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, we don't seem to be able to look good for a full 45 and a second 45. It just doesn't make sense. No. And I don't understand it. I don't know what he's saying to them to not give them the energy that every other team we play seems to get in that second half. I would love to be a fly on the wall and in those half-time team talks because I want to know what he does say to them. Like I was talking to one of my mates earlier and, and he said that uh, uh, the players not just knackered at half-time because we have a lot of like very industrious players that do an awful lot of running. It's It's been the case now for this season. Last season you got 0-9, you had Honeyman, you've got Gooch, you've got players that really get themselves about. So is it the case that they have a really good spell when they get the momentum but then when the momentum dies, they are just kind of burnt out. Is, is it, could it be a case of that? It could be, but it shouldn't be. No, no. no totally I, shouldn't be. I feel like fitness shouldn't ever be under question for a football team. Definitely not. <clears throat> no. You are a professional footballer. Get yourself in that gym <laughs> yeah. all the time. If you're not training, what are you doing? What are you doing with... Like, oh, 
Yeah. Does me head in. I mean, we're, we're hamstrung as well by the fact that we've got uh, strikers that don't score goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. And th- yeah. th- this is a very so, fundamental th- issue. Th- it's a huge fundamental issue. Um, Charlie White, God bless him. He, he tries his hardest, <laughs> but you know, and a lot of people want him to succeed. It feels a bit like Ed Miliband in 2015. He's useless, but you know, we want him to do well. Yeah, um, that's true. And <laughs> the, the Will Grigg thing, I, I, I can't get my head around. Still, it's you know, it's yeah. been nine months since we signed him. Will Grigg's like a candidate that you know has been backed by the national press to do well, but he, and I, 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 I don't understand. He scored so many goals at this level, whether it's a tactical thing that he's not fitting into the system mm-hmm. that Ross plays. I think if you sign someone that scored as many goals as, as Greg has, you build your team around him. Mm-hmm. And you you look at the videos of what he's done at Wigan and you talk to him and say, you know, what works best for you in terms of putting the ball in the back yeah. of the net? And I, I don't know whether that's happened or not or whether he's just his confidence has gone. I think with Greg, when he played for Wigan, I like... Uh... Again, my, my knowledge of Wigan Athletic isn't isn't as extensive as as perhaps some <laughs> some fans of Wigan Athletics are. But ultimately, you know, Grig a lot of Grig's goals came from play through the middle, mm-hmm. and this comes back to what you were saying earlier, really, Andy, about us and our reliance, and, as well, and you as well, Lauren, about our reliance on Aidan McGeady, about how obviously we are inclined to just get the ball to him when he's on the pitch, and because McGeady's a winger, that means that we, you know, by getting the ball to Aidan what you're essentially doing, you're prioritising play from the wings over everything else. Yeah, yeah. You're reducing the areas. You can yeah, be, be yeah, exactly. So you, you aren't playing through the middle as yeah. much as you perhaps could and, and when Grigg's on the pitch as much as you perhaps should mm-hmm. because Will Grigg, you know, the, the quality cannot be disputed. We haven't really seen it yet, but yeah. it can't it can't be doubted that it is there somewhere because, you know, you, you don't just score all those goals and forget how to do yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, but, but getting back to the, the initial point, we've got strikers that don't score goals mm-hmm. and you're always going to, you know, on paper we should be doing a lot better than we are really. We're, we're, we're scraping these 2-1 wins here and there. We're still drawing a few games or more games than we should be mm-hmm. and the difference there is if you've got someone up top that can put the ball in the net, that makes that difference. Mm, two that, one that, becomes that, four one. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, hope, it's a major issue. You'd hope now with O nine coming in that maybe that offers a route back into the team for Grig. Because O nine's so physical, he's mm. so willing to battle, he's good in the air. If you have him essentially doing the Charlie White job, then maybe you're bringing Grig. Like we said with McGeady, it's all a bit predictable. Gooch still doesn't really know how to play off the ball. If you bring in someone like Greg, he at least offers that threat in behind. And maybe we're talking about a completely different Sunderland team. I'd like to think if we are going to sort of look at ways to play without without McGeady and the team, if we're going to look at other ways to evolve our style, maybe 09 is the second strike is the perfect way to reintroduce Greg. Because there are still a lot of players in this team that are struggling with their confidence. Like you look at Conor McLaughlin and he's still playing at about 70% of what he can be. And you kind of think, well, maybe if we can get some results together, maybe if we get 9 and Maguire who are firing, if we can put Grigg around them, maybe this is the time it turns. Mm-hmm. At least that's my hope. So I think really in general, having maybe not even just 9 as a number 10, but having that real sort of signposted number 10 on the pitch, you know, mm-hmm. I don't need someone to hold up a flag and say, you know, I'm your number 10, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm on yeah. the pitch, Grigg's in front of us, I'm behind him. It, it does just boil down to the fact that without McGeady, we can play through the middle because we don't need to put it on his flank. And because we don't need to put it on his flank, we can put it wherever seems yeah. most applicable to the situation. Yeah. Anyway, we've got some questions um, from some of the Roker Rapport's listeners. And uh, the first one is very applicable to what we've just been talking about. It's from Paul Dodge Rogers who says, do people really expect us to absolutely smash teams for a full 90 minutes? In my opinion, it's unrealistic to keep up the intensity for the first half of the full game. 
though I think if we were fitter, we could do it for longer. I don't think it's a tactical thing necessarily. So that comes back to what we're saying about fitness. And obviously, I'll, I'll throw this one back to you, Jimmy. I'll, I'll go straight back to you. What, what do you make of that? Do you think that there is an expectation to smash teams for 90 minutes? Maybe, maybe we're unrealistic. There was definitely a point last season where we were going 3 4 nil up and you could see the team stop. It became a goal of the season competition. Like I remember McGeady was coming back from injury and he was just aiming for the top corner every time. Oviedo was similar. Maguire was similar. And I do think it's a bit of a mentality thing with this team. Maybe the way they're coached by Jack Ross. Maybe the fact he's someone who prioritises defence. The fact clean sheets been his buzzword all season. I do kind of think that we're a team that's kind of instructed to concentrate on the defensive side of things because we don't have very good defenders. And maybe that's why we're not battering teams. Maybe that's why after halftime yesterday, we played completely differently. I think it's very much a mentality thing rather than a fitness thing. Maybe people still underestimate the level of competition in this league. I'm not really sure. But I'd, I'd say it's more to do with the way the team's being instructed than fitness or other issues. Obviously, Jack Ross's instructions thing that have come under a lot of scrutiny. It's been the main talking point as to why we're on battering teams and why we're being so polite, why we're playing Leadbitter in the holding midfielder role away to uh, Bolton with eight senior players who met each other five seconds ago. Mm. You know, and, and I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is unreasonable to assume, as as you alluded to, Andy, that you know Jack Ross gives the lads a pint of nightness at half time and reads them in Uzbek. <laughs> but you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, it's it, it boils down to something like that. It's it's just. What are the tactical decisions from Ross and, and is it those themselves that are holding us back? We'll go over to you again, Lauren. Like, what is the biggest mistake Jack has made in the time he's been with us? What is, what is the biggest flaw that has perhaps held us back, as Paul says, smashing teams for 90 minutes? Well, I do think fitness definitely plays a part. You can see that some of our players are out of shape and there just isn't an excuse for that if you're a professional footballer. Not to get on my high horse about footballers being fit enough, but you know what I mean? Um, sometimes he makes strange substitutions at strange times, mm. which I just, I don't always get it, but I'm not a football manager. I'm not here to criticise him, but stop putting Charlie White on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think that, that that's the issue, though, that we'll be talking about there, isn't it? That like we've got two strikers and like, oh, I feel like I'm always in a limbo between, oh, can we not put Greg on now? Oh, should we not try mm. White instead? Yeah, and it seems that no matter who we go for, we just want the other one on, which is a big problem to have, really. It's uh, the syndrome. I do want Charlie White to do so well because he, he puts 100% in, but he just, well, he, he kind of do it. No, no. Uh, he's he, not a very good footballer. Let's, <laughs> let's just let's just put it out there. He's not a very good footballer. He's, I, I don't think he's, like, he's like Kevin Kyle without the physique. <laughs> Which, and that's course, not a compliment. No, it's not. Because the, the, the physique was actually a, a very large part of Kevin Kyle's yeah, essence, exactly. really. Which, when you take that away, you've not got much left, really, mm-hmm. have you? Got... I mean, t- talking about the defence, I think there's, there's signs of improvement there. And I'm, I'm fairly positive looking forward because um, Lynch, I thought, was fantastic oh. yesterday. Outstanding. And Willis has been an improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and De Bock looked good for the 60-odd minutes he was on. He'll, yeah. get, he'll get there once he gets his fitness. So, I mean, the back four was all four players that weren't here last season. Mm-hmm. And I think, looking as a whole, it's an improvement on what we had last season. So, I yeah. think, you know, we kept a clean sheet the other night, Sheffield United. We conceded yesterday, but it was a silly, silly goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mistakes like that can be eradicated, hopefully. So, going forward, defensively, I think we're going to get more solid 
but it's this thing about not scoring goals and not having not having a number nine or whatever or a striker that can score goals. Yeah, not having maybe one of those fundamentals that that, that get you the goals. Just someone that's like going to get you fifteen goals a season. Well, well that's we're it. not going to get promoted if we don't have someone that can do that. I would go on record to say there's never been a team that's got promoted from any league that doesn't have a definitive goal scorer. Yeah, exactly, that must be the case. Like it just doesn't happen. You know, I mean. We need someone that can put the goals in the way that Maggio was last season. Yeah, and, and if Maggio was putting those away, I fully believe he would have got promoted. Totally. We might have even just won the league because he was he was on course for 25, 30 that season. He was doing incredibly. So to not have a player that emulates what he did is is quite tragic, really. But Well, we thought we had one. We thought we got one with Grigg. Yeah. Hindsight's a great thing. It is. We were all, we were all you know, dancing around with joy when we got Grigg because we thought that's... That's the, the direct replacement for Madger. Everything's yeah. going to be great now. But. And if you if you ask literally any Sunderland fan to to marry up realism with optimism and answer the question who should replace Josh Madger, we go, oh, Bill Grigg, get Bill yeah. Grigg. <laughs> you know, he's a fringe player of Wigan now. He's he's got an absolutely unrivaled League One record. Just get him in. Ticked all the boxes, didn't it? Yeah, he, he was a very similar player to Madger. You know, Madger was more of a poacher. Will Grigg is is by trade an absolute poacher. It only made sense. So to to not have that so now. So why is, are we not getting the ball in positions that Madger was converting from? I don't know. It's it's one of those With questions that I can't put my finger on this. Can you, Jimmy? I think we underestimate how good Madge was. I think that what he was doing was quite special and really hard to replicate, sort of in terms of his skill, his awareness. And maybe he was being a bit lucky. Maybe there are a couple of times he's shot through legs. Maybe there are a couple of times he's caught keepers out. But for the most part, I just think what he was doing was special, that Grigg doesn't have that same skill and awareness around the box. And that because Madger was 19, because he was an afterthought going into the season, I just think everyone within the club didn't realise quite how special what he was doing was. And everyone, yeah, said, yeah, oh, easy. Well, we just need to replace his goals. There's Will Grigg. We've mm. placed his goals. Done. And just because of Madger and his lack of a reputation, we kind of underestimated how good he was. Mm-hmm. The difference, the, the massive contrast between Madger and Grigg was that Madger, as you said, that he was complete afterthought going into the season. He was a player that came onto the scene the season before due to a complete lack of other options, to put it quite bluntly. You know, him and Azoro were just kind of played because the, the fans wanted more sentimental appearances rather than just some random journeymen who couldn't do the job because they were injury prone, etc. But the difference was that obviously Maggio was completely unproven for those aforementioned reasons. So when he came into the scene and started doing mint, we were all just buzzing. Contrast that with Greg, who comes with the greatest pedigree of any League One striker in complete contrast to the virtually unknown and unproven Madger. So already there are expectations. And I think where Madger benefited from a lack thereof of expectations, uh, Will Grigg suffered because when he didn't hit the ground running, it, just, it, it didn't come off. I don't know. What's your thought on that, Lauren, as far as expectations go with these strikers? Well, I think we deserve to have these expectations because we need goals. So we need a player that can put the ball in the back of the net. So why shouldn't we have those expectations from a striker Track record, like you said, Will Grigg, you don't get better than him for League One. That's it. Mm-hmm. Is it a failure on the manager's part if you can't get a player like that scoring? Is it just like bluntly putting it, does it? Is it ultimately Jack Ross's fault and can it be no one else's fault? Well, I just think he's not obviously given the right opportunities to score. So who mm-hmm. else can you, you blame for it? But players should be able to pass to Grigg at the right circumstances to get him to do that. Yeah. I would say yes, it is It is a man- the manager's fault because we've talked about McGeady, you said, as the best player ever seen in this level, possibly. And then Grigg, one of the greatest goal-scoring records of any player at this level. you got those two in your same team and you can't score goals. Well, who's to blame? They're either being coached wrong, they're being set up wrong, they're being told what to mm-hmm. do wrong. So there's a there's a fundamental problem there. Yeah, 
I mean, what you've said there is very much a very loaded question with a very obvious answer. As far as I'm concerned, I, I couldn't agree more. When, but that issue, I think for me, it, it doesn't just extend to McGeady and Grigg. It extends to the entire team. Now, just Jimmy, a yes or no, do we have the best squad in the league on paper? Almost certainly, I would have thought. Yeah, that wasn't a yes, Jimmy. Yes, okay, yes. You know, you, you, know, you, you were getting with your controversial <laughs> opinions, you know. I knew it was a mistake bringing uh... you here. I'd yeah. say yes, we do. I mean, yeah. we look at Ipswich that went down with an awful, awful team. Mm-hmm. They haven't made too many changes and they're, they're flying. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be hard to put a team together that can do well. And on paper, yes, we have got the best team. Mm-hmm. So that's a categorical league. yes from you, Andy. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's that's a yes with an asterisk from Jimmy. <laughs> Lauren? I'll give it a yes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, that's a yes as well. So I think for, for a, a unanimous yes that we all believe in the studio, I mean, obviously, we don't account for the entire voice of the collective Sunderland people, but four out of four is a, is a pretty good yield, really, there. We all believe we have the best squad in the league on paper. The fact that we're fifth in the league, therefore, it has to be regarded quite simply as an underachievement, especially given the nature of the games that we've got. I mean, we said about it earlier, you know, ultimately, yes, you have won more than you've drawn and lost, but, you know, two ones against Rochdale and and um, MK Dons, who was sat in the bottom eight of the table, it doesn't It doesn't look good. The the, the 2019 record is not good. It's we've, not. we've drawn something like 15 out of 33 league games since the 1st of January. And, you know, that's not going to get you promoted. It's not. It's um, not. The 1-1 the does not get you promoted. No. And we, we've fallen back into that trap again. You know, we, we we had a good run of a few wins early on after a dodgy start, but we, we fell back into that trap with draws again. Um, and now, you know, we've won two in a week, but we need to kick on and get a load of, a load of wins under our belt over the next mm-hmm. month or two. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise we're just going to be floundering again. Mm-hmm. We've got another question from Alison Smith on Facebook who says, what's going on with John McLaughlin? The saviour so many times last season and he looks a shadow of himself this season. Should Lee Burge be given his opportunity in his place, Jimmy? Yeah, I think I think it's hard to argue against it. The only the only reason that St Andy sort of touched on to keep him in would be continuity in terms of the defence has started to look more settled. We're starting to see improvement defensively. Do you keep him in for continuity? But it's it's getting harder and harder to excuse Burge not being in there. Mm-hmm. I'm actually in the minority in terms of I would have started McLaughlin yesterday. I think he's one of our few leaders. I think his form was so good last season that he deserves every chance to stay in the team. I can understand why Ross did it. I expected him to stay in the team. But yesterday was the first time I've ever seen a Sunderland player kind of look at McLaughlin and say, what on earth are you doing? Like Lynch just shot him daggers after the goal yesterday. And I kind of feel like the players are starting to lose confidence in him. So if yeah, now feels like a good time for Birch to come in for me. Yeah, I was going to say as well, I mean, that goal was uh, was a pretty naff one to concede, wasn't it really? <laughs> he sort of, I mean, it's that thing that inexperienced or just generally poor keepers do where they, they, they come halfway out for a cross and then don't commit to it. And I think, he got, to the, he got to that point and obviously hesitated and the next thing you know it's in the net and it's a really sloppy looking goal and it's a very sort of unpleasant way to, to let the opposition back into the game when really they should have been out of sight by then. But regardless, if I think if you had Burgeon goal given the recent confidence and form that he's got into his belt now, he probably wouldn't have done that. Just just my opinion. I don't know. What do you think, Andy? I mean, I think because he did so well last season, there's probably an argument for giving him a little bit more leeway mm-hmm. and giving him time to turn it around. How much longer can he dine out on that form? Well, though? I don't know. Maybe you've got to look over the next couple of games and see how he does, I suppose. You've got Lynch who's come in and who is, to me, from yesterday, going to be an upgrade on what we've already had. Mm-hmm. And if he's turning around and looking at McLaughlin like that, then it, perhaps it's something they're going to talk about off the pitch and um, you know, it, can, it might cause McLaughlin to 
you know, redouble his efforts and, mm-hmm. and you know, come again. But um, I'd, I'd give him a little bit more time. But he's definitely not the player he was last season. No. There's no doubt about that. And I'm, I'm sure he's he's under no illusion that if he yeah. keeps making daft mistakes like those, that Burge is just going to take his place. Yeah. He was probably watching on at the Sheffield United game, watching Burge make those saves, thinking, oh, you know, crap. Mm-hmm. I, I could be out of, I could be out of my number one. Well, well, in in definition, he's not going to take his actual jersey, but I'm going to be out of my number one shirt here. You know, <laughs> I think we're lucky that that MK Dons didn't push on as much as we thought they might mm-hmm. have done when they when they went, they got that goal back. Yeah, well, well, so, the, the, I don't think they were good enough to push on. No, that's 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 really that's that's what decides a lot of the games against these lesser teams that we're playing. Not the fact that we're necessarily a very good team, but more so that the other teams are just you know a bit crap. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. cope. We cope yeah. with anything that they had. Yeah, after they like, got that stupid goal. Back. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't really like watching. I mean, I think what partially makes like Sunderland games that aren't very good dull in this division. It's what you. I think it's probably lends itself to what you said earlier, Lauren. That obviously it's it's a bit boring, and I think it, it gets a bit boring with Sunderland when there's that sort of like that that like stalemate because we're not playing particularly brilliantly. We're not playing bad, but we're not playing great as good as we should be, and because the opposition are terrible as well. The game's decided by who lacks the least amount of quality not who's got the most and I think we do have the players to to have the most quality I don't mm-hmm. know going back to that same question Lauren uh, what do you think would you keep Big John in or is it time for Burge to uh, I was looking for a pun there Burge on at the scene that's not a phrase that's not, I can't <laughs> say that Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I like John. I think he's he's done well for us. But there's also comes a time when you get a little bit sick of constantly letting a goal in. Mm. And I think it is time for Burge to to take the stand and and start instead of John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when when you look at when you look at that game yesterday, had he have not made that error, we would have got a clean sheet because they just weren't clinical at all. So you have to look and think how responsible is McLaughlin for the the, the clean sheet famine. Exactly. And, you know, we get sick of one ones, we get sick of two ones. Mm-hmm. There's always the extra one that goes in that we don't want to see. And is it John's time now to let Lee Burge take it? Because I think from watching him, I would start Burge. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many goals, how many games have we not scored in since Jack Ross came? It's not many. Not many. Uh, Barnsley didn't score on Barnsley. Peterborough. Didn't score on, oh, was that it? That's yeah. it. So, so, you know, and we scored, well, I think, in every oh, home no, we game. Did. Sorry. Have we scored in every home game since he's arrived? I think yes, that's one of every the stats. single home game, So yeah. there you are, keep clean sheets. Mm-hmm. And we're always capable of getting a goal from somewhere, even if we have got this problem where the strikers can't score. But there's a, there's a goal from somewhere in every yeah. game. So, you know, we need to sort the clean sheet issue out. Yeah, and what did we get last season at this stage of the season when McLaughlin was playing well? Clean sheets, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we, got, we got them then, if you look at the games. But I mean, obviously yeah. we did we did again let in the odd daft goal here and there, but I look at some of the games, you know, the Scunthorpe 3-0 and... Yeah. If the opposition never dared to threaten, then you know Big Big John was there. But I mean, is it any coincidence, Lauren? Going back to you, that our only clean sheet of this season has come when McLaughlin wasn't in goal. Well, exactly, and it just makes you think that why is he still starting? Mm. It, it could just very much be his time just to move over. Like if he was dropped, that's not like it's not the point of no return. He can come back, but yeah. would that benefit him as a player if he was dropped in any sense of the word? I think so. He, you know, a bit of rest doesn't do you any harm at the end of the day and I think giving Lee Burge the chance to give us some more clean sheets can't mm-hmm. be a bad thing uh, honestly I feel like Lee Burge's biggest fan here um, <laughs> I would start him in the next game Yeah. am I right in thinking that McLaughlin still hasn't signed a new contract and he's out of contract in, in the summer that's true so that's another thing to think about that as well as the long term yeah, yeah I mean ultimately how much how much sleep would you lose if, given how he's played recently how much sleep would you lose if he went you know, that's the question. Depends how well Burge does. Yeah. True, very <laughs> yeah. true. Anyway, I think this is a good time just to segue into an announcement, a very special announcement. We have two competition announcements that we can, well, 
announce on today's podcast. How many more times can I say announce? Let's find out. <laughs> the first competition last week, our friends at Flatback 4 offered one of our followers the choice of a free Sunderland t-shirt. We had hundreds of entrants and I am pleased to announce our winner is Daniel Jenks 89 That's a Twitter handle at Daniel Jenks 89 So congratulations, Daniel. Please DM the Roker Report podcast with your contact details and we will ensure that gets to you post-haste. You can catch Flatback 4's new bubble hat range and t-shirts on the website and also on Soccer AM. So yeah, that's that. That's the first of our two. The second one will be with you very shortly. We'll not do two consecutively because we'll like a little bit of suspense. Why not? Anyway, let's have one more question, and this will be from James Jackson on Facebook, who says, 10 games gone. The league is gradually starting to take shape. Have the panel seen enough so far to suggest that we'll get promoted? Let's go back to you, Jimmy. I think we look like a playoff team again, really. I yeah. think we look like a team that's not going to lose many games, that's going to draw a fair few games. We, we look, Yeah, we look like a playoff team. Mm-hmm. At this stage, it's unclear who the good teams are. Ipswich look pretty good. Peterborough at times look amazing and then lose weird games. So it's unclear who that second team is. And in theory, that could still be us. Mm-hmm. But we look, yeah, we look like a playoff yeah. team again. Maybe the league's going to be a lot weaker with no outstanding teams and we sneak in second. Yeah. What's the difference between us being a playoff team than, in your opinion, being a automatic team? It's like Andy said, it's the goals. It's mm-hmm. it's the ability to blow away teams. It's the ability to be a bit more clinical in both penalty areas, both in terms of our goalkeeping, our individual errors in defence, and yeah, just our strikers firing. Oh, am I right in thinking then that you would say that the that the main sort of weaknesses that are holding us back are those at the far ends of the pitch? It's the two extreme ends of the Sunderland lineup. It's the, the lack of goals and perhaps mistakes in net. Yeah, because I mean, yesterday, for the most part, we had control in the game. We had one dominant spell. It took a goalkeeping error for the other team to gain confidence and come back into it. I feel like we're a team that has more match winners than other teams that can definitely fire away out of this division. It's just having the confidence and the belief that we can keep clean sheets and we can actually do that. Do you think that based on what we have now that there is reason to assume that we will improve under Jack Ross? It's That's, that's so hard to say because it feels like we've seen this movie a million times before, the 1-1s, the lads, lads, we're winning, let's let's take it easy. It feels as if he's not really improving. It feels as if we're not really learning lessons as we go. Maybe now maybe now he's lucked into something with 9 off the striker. Maybe that's going to be the turning point. Maybe it's Joel Lynch coming in. Maybe we finally found something, but it's so hard to say after one win against a team that might be a bottom half team this year. Well, they certainly didn't look very good, neither them nor AFC Wimbledon. They were both very poor teams when they came up here, and we didn't really dispatch them with ease, did we? I mean, okay, Wimbledon were, I would say, the worst team I've seen Sunderland play this season. Yeah, that they they were really were like crap. But again, that you won that three one, and that's not like a, I mean, that's not a great win. I, th- I know I know I am nitpicking really because ultimately I'd, I'd take three one week in week out happily. But when you're playing the worst team in the league potentially. You know, three uh, one doesn't look that doesn't look that great, relatively speaking. You know, you, you'd hope for a four nil. I don't, I don't know if that's just me getting a bit choosy there, but I think as well. I mean, there were I, I was I was on holiday with this one, so I just watched it online. But um, they were rotten, and Maguire was just on fire that day. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing you need Maguire firing week in and week out, which he doesn't always do. He was quiet again yesterday. He, he full full of plenty of endeavour, but nothing really came off that much for him. Mm-hmm. But I, I would just agree with what Jimmy's just said. Yeah, it, it's it's the cutting edge of of goals, mm-hmm. um, and we need over the next month or two for there to be a, a drastic improvement and some consistency, and lots of wins. 
yeah. to, to keep us up there because otherwise, yeah, we're going to be a playoff team again. Well, I've, God knows we don't need that. I've got quite a radical... I've made my yeah. stance on Wembley yeah. perfectly <laughs> clear yeah. earlier I, on. I, so. I, I dare say you have done exactly that, Andy. Yeah, I, I, But I, I think you probably speak for the vast majority of us when you yeah. say that, so it's, it's hardly a controversial opinion, which will contrast greatly with what I'm about to say. Here's a bit of a wacky notion for you. And I, and I said this before, and, and now I, with retrospect, I'm very smug saying this because I think I was almost laughed out of the studio by the by the boys last time I said this. But they were talking about how, how clinical McGeady was as a finisher. And this was pre-Rotherham, pre-Bolton, pre-him falling over and, and mm. missing, etc. And I said that Chris Maguire is our most natural finisher in that team. Mm. I said that I think he is our most natural clinical finisher and I think that McGeady looks like a good finisher because his skill is very good and his skill helps him to get to where he needs to be before he, before he hits home, basically. But I think in terms of like just raw talent at firing into the net, mm. that Maguire is our best finisher. Would it be completely insane to consider playing Maguire up front as a striker? Not at all. No, I don't, no. I don't think that would be no. a bad idea at all because no. what are you getting from Greg mm-hmm. and Wyke that you wouldn't get from Maguire if he was playing in that same role? Well, that's it. I mean... Let's say, Lauren, let's say you look back at this season and you replace every single goal-scoring chance that Wyke and Grigg have spurned and you put Maguire where they are. Does Maguire convert more than they did? He takes chances more, I think, <clears throat> and he finds the net a bit more as well. So I, I'm with it. I, I think, you know, put him up front. Yeah. What are you going to lose when they don't take chances? Mm-hmm. When they do take them, they don't necessarily take them very well. No. Because he doesn't totally suit playing out wide. You'd rather have... Uh, McGeady and Gooch yeah. as your wide men. I think he looks worse playing out wide. I or, think yesterday when he was number ten, and then yeah. possibly Maguire. It's almost like you're putting him as a false nine, if you like, mm-hmm. because we've got two strikers that can't score goals. So you know, have a look at it and change it. Yeah, and put Maguire in there as well. Mm-hmm. As you sort of got out there, like Lauren, if your actual strikers aren't scoring goals, then what harm is there in putting a more attack-minded player in their place? Hundred percent. I think Maguire might be the man to take over. Really, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I do love Chris Maguire. I think he changes games when he's on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd be a great addition to the front. Yeah, I think he's a big personality as well. And if it's yeah. him banging the goals in and celebrating, that's really going to galvanise the side. Hundred percent. He loves it. He just <laughs> he's a shit house, and we love him for yeah. it. He is everything you need in a goal scorer for Sunderland. Mm-hmm. And if our, as you say, our strikers can't score goals. Put him in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism as well that Jack Ross's side are a bit too polite to the opposition. But if there's one man who is not polite to any opposition, it's, Chris it's Christopher it, Maguire. He's not polite to anyone ever. <laughs> I don't think, he's, I don't think, that, I don't think that man has ever, has ever ever been polite in his life. No, and I never. Love for it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. He's what we need, you know. Yeah. What I use as my point of reference when I sort of make this case, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to say is probably becoming more and more plausible now that now that we're seeing less of McGeady, it's probably if you look back at let's say the um what was it the the first leg of the of the playoffs against Portsmouth when he scored that goal like that goal sort of for me showcased precisely why he could play up front if you looked mm. at his like positioning and you looked at how he finished like that, that went before the goal came to him it was about I would say about a good eight to nine seconds before it got to him and it was maybe like ten yards away from him but he, he'd already he'd seen where it was going to drop yeah. it landed his body up and he just he, he took aim and he fired. Uh, you know, he had he has a very ex- instinctive look about him as for a finisher, and I think you know perhaps it's not his natural position, but he's never been far away from the striker's role. No, I totally agree, and I think it would be a great addition to put him up there. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. there's there's a reason that even when Chris Maguire has a bad day on the pitch, we still call him the king. Mm-hmm. We still yeah. love him. We still want him on the pitch at every given opportunity. Yeah, it, when it, he's on, he he takes chances, and they're good. Well, that's it. It's a tongue-in-cheek nickname, but it's not without cause. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the FC Wimbledon performance was the best striking performance we've seen from any player 
since we came into this league. Pretty so, much. It's a hat trick from a from a player who's not a striker. Yeah. So, so perhaps maybe he should be a striker. Done. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You, totally. There we are. Case closed. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, this is a good time for competition number two to be announced. So Earlier this week, we announced another Roka Report giveaway to celebrate the launch of FIFA 20. We teamed up with EA Sports to give away a copy of the latest game in the FIFA series. We've had around 1,000 entries across Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and we are happy to announce the winner as Luke Stoves, who entered via our Facebook page. So congratulations, Luke. And just like we said with Daniel, please DM uh, the Roka Report Twitter with your contact details. And obviously, it'll all be good news from there. Didn't sound very convincing, but I, I, I assure you that it shall be. <laughs> Anyway, back on topic. We've got one last question before we throw this one to you, Andy. We'll ask you, you a few questions because we've, we've got a few. And, you know, again, they're all, they're all good. They're all more or less in a tone more suited to a podcast that you would be on rather than the one that you're a guest <laughs> on here today. But regardless, they are questions for you. But before that, we've not really spoken about what is my favourite talking point currently, and that is the Sunderland back four. And it's not been a favourite talking point for a while, but they've just been really good recently. I mean, I was a massive fan of Dubok yesterday. I thought he looked very assured. I thought it was a great idea big enough for Hume, but we'll get to that. And I thought Joel Lynch was tremendous and has mm. been for the past two games. We'll start with you, Jimmy. What do you make of our two new defenders? It looks better. We've been waiting to have a back four that are good enough technically to play out in this league, to deal with having a lot of the ball, and also tough enough to play League One football. And in Joel Lynch and Jordan Willis, it looks like we finally got it. We've finally got two guys who can battle, who can pass the ball, and who know how to defend. And that's not something we've seen under Jack Ross. So it's it's really positive. Dubok, he looks a bit slow, but he looked good technically. Like Andy said, once he's got his fitness up, that should be an improvement. McLaughlin's good. He's proven in this level. He's just having a horrible season. And you'd think if he's in winning games, if he's playing football, he's going to turn it round because he's got a track record in this league. So it looks like finally we've got a back four that Jack Ross can be proud of. And maybe that's that's going to be the turning point for our season. Mm-hmm. How good was Lynch's distribution yesterday? Good, good. Like um, I remember his first four passes were all long, and I started to get Oz Turk fears. It's like, is he kicking <laughs> it long because he can't pass short, or is he kicking it long because the pass is on? And thankfully, it was the latter. But yeah, I did have Oz Turk fear at one point. I'm going to name this um, uh, podcast file Oz Turk fears before I send it to Sean. <laughs> I got to give them all funny names. So this one's as Oz Turk fears. What do we make, what do we make of Depok specifically? What do, what do we make of him? Good. I enjoyed watching him yesterday and it was a shame he was only on for 60 minutes because I thought we could have got a 90 out of him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, good good start, certainly. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's the man's first professional competitive game in a, in a long time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So only good things to come, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Debock and Lynch both look like they know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. we, we, we've, we've always had that kind of headless chicken syndrome a bit mm-hmm. with the back four. Yeah. Throughout last season, and those those mistakes that I keep referring to kept on happening. And I think once this back four gels properly, you know, clean sheets should be happening more regularly. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, it'll help John McLaughlin as well. Mm-hmm. When we had Baldwin, Flanagan, and Ozturk in the early doors of last season, we had a real headless chicken problem. Yep. You know, we were, you know, it was it was it was headless chicken run for Sunderland. It was it was it wasn't good. Especially, I mean, you look back at the Coventry game and Baldwin and Flanagan look like they didn't have a clue what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like Enabakari gets in behind them once and suddenly they've not got a Scooby and he does it like four more times. Yeah, You know, it was painful to watch. But with Lynch and Debock, we'll like we've got two really experienced players that perhaps should probably be above League One. 100%, so but they're a, ours, so we'll keep them. Yeah, like precisely, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all things going well, we won't yeah. be... 
a, a class below where they should be for much longer. So, you know, that's all good. I think what I liked as well about the box is, and I liked the substitution for Hume a bit more as well, because the box more of a natural fullback from the way he played. He was a lot more sort of conservative in his play, whereas obviously Hume's more suited like as what you'd call the wing back. So I think is it a nice idea going forward, Lauren, to maybe start to buck and have him do the more sort of like normal duties of a fullback, and then if you're chasing a game or you're trying to need another goal as you go further on in the game to bring Hume on on 70. Yeah, I quite like that idea, really. It worked yesterday. We got a lot from Denver Hume, and I like him as a player. He's young. He's got a lot left in him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good partnerships on the pitch now, and Hume just adds that little bit of extra that we need when we're lacking in it. Yeah, he's, he's, quite, he's quite slight, but he's a very technically gifted player. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, the knackered league one fullbacks on 70, 75 minutes don't want that at that point. They'd rather have Debock still there. Exactly, yeah, but I think Adam Hume just gives that little bit of extra energy that we often need at mm-hmm. that stage in a game. Can't be a bad thing. I no. think I think this league it's not a, it's not a league that's easy on the eye, and you know the, there's that's not really a great it. deal of room for elaboration and stuff like that. And they have a back four that's solid, and your fullbacks are just fullbacks, and they defend, and you keep clean sheets. Then that's all you want because then you build on that, and we're, we're, we've proven we're a team that's always got at least a goal in us. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want to grind out promotion through a lot of dull one nil wins, oh, bring it on, please. Yeah, <laughs> but there, but there you say one nil win. We've got to get that nil first, haven't that's we? The thing, yeah. but, but you know, that's what I'm saying. We, we need a back four that's just mm. solid, independent, yeah. and know what they're doing. I think we're heading in the right direction mm. now. Might not even go for the bigger picture, saying that we need more of an identity. I suppose so. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there's and nothing it, wrong with just being able to defend. Defending's an art, so there's nothing wrong with having a back yeah. four that can just defend and just be, mm-hmm. be be ugly about it and 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 just kick the ball out the net. Maybe just go a bit more no nonsense with it. You know, I mean, Ozturk was great at that. You know, he wants yeah. someone who's hoof it. There you go. Big Ali, he'll do Lynch the job. Lynch feels like Ozturk Plus to me. Ozturk Plus. Yeah. Ozturk Premium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gold edition. Yeah, gold. <laughs> I can't really pick any bones with that. So I think we'll bring the discourse on on uh, on subs- on actual substantive football there before we talk to you, Andy. So <laughs> just before we finish off, uh, let's get some predictions for the game against Lincoln. So what I normally do with predictions is just for those who perhaps aren't aware of like how I do this. It's a fairly new thing that we've started doing. We'll go around the table. I'll ask you for what you think the score will be, uh, a brief synopsis on how the game's going to go, if you had a crystal ball, and who's going to be the goal scorers. So I'll kick us off, I think, against Lincoln. I think we're going to be happy for the time being, satisfied perhaps, maybe not happy, but still we're going to see some fundamental problems. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I'm going to go from goals from Gooch, and I'm going to go for a goal from 9 again. I think we'll start the game in a similar fashion I did against MK Dons I think what will happen is though is they'll get the early goal being the home side but I think we'll, we'll get momentum as they go on because we'll sort of show ourselves to still have more quality despite not using it as best we could and I think we'll get one goal in from Gooch and a second from 0-9 before the first half closes second half will be dull we'll have our night nurse you'll have our Uzbek, <laughs> our, our Uzbek fairy tales read to us and you know we'll, we'll, we'll go out there heads full of nonsense this and is we'll, a really we'll... specific prediction yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's telling the story of the whole match look this, this is how it's going to go are you just man. riffing here or have yeah. you written all this down earlier on in fairness when I get to the second half that does conclude the story because obviously nothing happens in the second half so really yeah. the, 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 the full stop would have come about three seconds after you, you pointed out how weird my prediction is but but yeah yeah, I think that's how it's going to go so anyway we'll go to you second Jimmy what do you think similar um, 
dull game. I think we're finally going to do it. We're going to get the nil. One nil Sunderland. Will Grigg redemption tour starts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then that gives him six out of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six out of ten. Should have scored more. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think I think we might win. They're struggling since they changed managers. And yeah, I like on you look back four. I think I think we'll scrap it out. I'm predicting a game similar to when we beat Bristol Rovers away, and it was like we scored first, and then they were like, "Oh crap, what do we do?" And, and then we're going to get similar. Yeah, yeah, one 0 Fair enough. So, so you, you you expect us to be to sort of do away with two bugbears there to get Will Grigg a goal and to get a clean sheet? Wishful thinking, maybe, yeah. but well, yeah, it, we'll go for it. it. To be fair, it would be a big step. You know, no matter how fine the margin is, if you get if you get a one nil win and Grigg scores, then you're going a long way to reassuring the fans. To be honest, it might look like nothing, but I think that'd be a, that'd be quite a nice result just to sort of put some fears behind us. Really, we'll go to you third, Lauren. What do you think? Two nil. We are going to, in my happy little head, start Lee Burge because obviously I'm his number one fan. <laughs> um, I'd like to see the goals from Maguire and Power because they are sexy goals. We get. You know, they're goals you want to see. Yeah. They're, you know, they're attractive goals. So we're going to get them from Maguire in power. It's going to be a little bit dull to start with because we seem for a good 20 minutes to just sort of not really mm-hmm. know how to play football. Yeah. We're, we're on the pitch and it's sort of like, well, what do we do mm-hmm. now? Then we randomly get a goal. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get one of them. And uh, just very much the same as the halftime talk is in a foreign language. Nothing, <laughs> no one has a clue what's going on. Um, and... Uh, second goal in the second half yeah, but and they're not going to get one I think that's a very solid prediction but of course you're only going to see one of those goals Lauren because you're going to it's going to be start boring so you're going to nip away <laughs> get something to drink and you're going to come back and all of a sudden you know oh. Maguire's put it away don't because it was my birthday yesterday <laughs> so I wanted to see the two goals and um, didn't quite go to plan well I know it's I know it's obviously belated but happy birthday thank you you're very welcome <laughs> yeah right you Andy you're the last one so you've had plenty of time to mull over some uh, yeah. ideas there yeah I, I think the uh, the clean sheet is coming right the, the league clean sheet is coming I think it'll be 2-0 uh, Jordan Willis first goal on uh, 14 minutes from a corner lovely nice, nice uh, I'm being specific as well Excellent. here yeah <laughs> Second come, half, come to to um, they'll, they'll, they'll try and get back into the game and we'll score, Chris Maguire will score on 77 minutes uh, with a counter-attack. Lovely. And we will win comfortably mm-hmm. 2-0. Yeah, and that w- again would dispel a lot of fears as well because not only have we got a clean sheet there, we've got a goal late into the game mm. from a counter-attack. Which it sort of sounds almost too good to be true, it? It, it, it? it implies <laughs> a sense of liveliness that Jack Ross's pints of night nurse don't normally guarantee after the <laughs> half-time, you know. <laughs> So what we'll do now is just before we move on, we also need to pay homage to the Sunderland ladies team who did an excellent job of beating Nottingham Forest 3-1 this afternoon. So how are the lasses? That is another excellent result. It is good to see both the men's and women's team firing. Although it's nice to see the women's team can fire more than the lads team, evidently. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's nice that neither have kept clean sheets. I'm glad there's some consistency there, you know. Don't ever say we've not got an identity because both the lads team and the lasses team aren't keeping clean sheets. So fair enough. Although I, I can't see this, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I hazard a guess that the lasses have probably kept more clean sheets than the lads. They both won, so that's good enough for me. Anyway, Andy, let's talk about you. We're going to talk about yeah, you now. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Are you excited? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're going to ask me, but you know, no, bring it on. We've got a few questions, obviously, many of which, or well, all of which pertain to your uh, your ventures as a podcaster. You know, <laughs> okay. through the digital wilderness. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm sure you're, you're bursting with excitement there. Hit you know? me with them. No worries. Okay. <laughs> Andy, first one on Top Flight Time Machine, you've done the Keen Odyssey. You've yeah. nearly finished Kevin Keegan's My Life as an Electric Mouse. Yes. But if you and Sam were to do a deep dive on a past or present Sunderland player, who would it be and why? 
Oh, what's a good one? A past or present Sunderland player? Um, I think um, Sam Allardyce would be good value. I think he would. I think um, he'd be very good value. Yeah, he did an autobiography, didn't he, Sam? He did. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time since he played for us, but obviously recently as a manager. Mm-hmm. I, but that, from, I believe it was 82 to 83. Yeah. We've had one season. I've actually got a programme at home with Allardyce on the back. It's, it's quite unnerving, actually, because you can see him and it doesn't look like him. Yeah, I was. I, that was kind of my first couple of years as going as a as a fan, as a kid. Nice. Yeah, I think there'd be lots of comedy potential in an Allardyce oh. autobiography deep dive. Yeah. yeah. Think how much material you've got just about talking about gravy. Exactly, know? yeah. Can you imagine? Pints like, of gravy. Pints yeah. of gravy. Pints of wine. Pints. Yeah. Pints, not the gallon. Well, possibly. Yeah. You, you could see him there, couldn't you? Ladle in hand, <laughs> yeah. looking over the horizon. I, I don't know what I, we're yeah. doing after Keegan. We've only we've only done 40 episodes of the Keegan Odyssey so far. Yeah. So we're not quite at the end of that yet. But right. um, Allardyce is a possibility, I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely. Any others? From Sunderland's era. We've had so many players that are, are, are yeah, devoid some, of there's, personality. There's some great ones, though. There's some, like, the, the best ones I'd always imagine for that kind of material were either ones that, like, have a lot about them like Allardyce he's like a, he's like he's, a, he's like a very big sort of like joke personality yeah. isn't he like you know like Paddy Power they've all yeah. done so much on him you know which you might even say detracts from him a bit but then there's so many players as well that are just like enigmatic there's just nothing about them that we have on record like Cabral <laughs> yeah <laughs> I reckon you could do loads there needs of to be an autobiography as a source so yeah. if Cabral's written a book then I'll have a look at it but I don't think he has he might have you might have I'm, I'm pretty sure Milton Nunes has you know That'll be good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it'll be in it'll be in Spanish because he's, yeah. he's Honduran, isn't he? So yeah. yeah, that is that is the that is the language of of Honduras, isn't it? Spanish, Central I'll America. I'll take your word for it. Could be. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's a bad shout, you know. But if I, if, I, if, I, if I've got any Honduran listeners and I'm wrong, um, I'm sorry. There it you is. Know? Yeah, yeah. But Allardyce, we'll go for Allardyce. Allardyce, Allardyce is the big one. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, this is a question um, from me. Uh, this is one that I had on my mind. Now, obviously, on Atletico Mints, you know, you've sat there and you've you've. As, as, asphyxiated yourself through many uh, Peter Beardsley segment from Bob, <laughs> which has been the hardest one to sit there and not laugh or just sort of stifle your laughs while listening to, which has been like the strongest one for you? I keep thinking back to the one which was episode 15, which was uh, my jambon hell. Right. Where uh, I went to visit Bob <laughs> in his hotel in France during the Euros mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> he'd, he'd been trapped because of the uh, the shenanigans of the hooligans. So he'd locked himself in his hotel room with just a massive amount of jambon and he was trying to keep it uh, cool and stop it from going off. Oh, um, and that that was because I, I didn't see any of that coming. No. And that just, just tipped me over the edge. Yeah. I, I don't know how you could ever see any of them coming, really. True, like, yeah. true. I've kind of learned to build up a resistance to it a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so just suppose, try and zone out and try yeah. and go to a different place. <laughs> so hence why episode 15 was a bad one, because the yeah. resistance is not there yet. Yeah. You're very vulnerable to beards. Uh, uh, and yeah, we, we we kind of went into new territory with with Jambon Hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think if it was me, though, the, the, the best one, not even like the best episode, but like the, the time when it just like really just caught me off guard. So I forget the episode, right? He makes himself some porridge with his wife's bald best woman tune. And he calls it, but it, it's obviously, it, it, it's porridge oats, yeah. And he, call, <laughs> but he, he calls it oats so simple, but it's like, Oh, it's so simple and it's so like strong and I can't even now I can't listen to it like it's just a get it's like yeah. honestly so much good material you, you, you do very well to, to be able to talk and breathe I'm today just trying to yeah I'm just trying to stay alive basically yeah. during it yeah like yeah. you said asphyxiated mm-hmm. it's, if nothing else it tests your resolve it so does. yeah you, 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 you've, you've done very well Andy well thank done. you well done, it's Andy. a hard job it is it is but someone's <laughs> got to do it exactly someone's got to do it anyway another top flight time machine related question this one from one of our Facebook followers can you do some quick fire ratings so yeah I'll read yeah. anything mate okay. yeah so shall I just go for it go for it what you got pink slices seven uh, self scan machines uh, eight 
Miguel Almiron. Two. Chicken Dippers. Ten. League One referees. Four. Charlie Methvin's fashion sense. Four. Um, the omission of Jack Ross's identity. Five. Cabral. <laughs> Two. David Wilberg Carlton. Th- one. Cabral when he played during Tottenham. One. Cabral when he's... I'm, I'm, I'm withering. I'm withering. Cabral you when he's when he squared the side with past MK Dons, allowed them to go 2 0 up. To zero. Mm-hmm. We don't give him any zeros to so try and no, do no, that. No, 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 no. But yeah. Gus Poit, assistant manager, Maurizio Tarizio, um, uh, during the um, one win over the Mags, when he did that thing where he sort of crouched and put his hands in the air and sort of like stared around, grinning. You, you know what I mean? You must know what I mean. It. It, yeah, very, very good one. And finally, um, uh, uh, my Jean Bonhell. Ten. Ten, yeah. yeah, there we go. Fantastic, okay. And finally, that was very good. Well done, well done Andy. Did very Ooh. well there. Yeah, no, I might just thought you won't want to catch you off guard, but you know, it's you've you, you, you're getting a real sweat on there. So yeah, they were, they were coming thick and fast there. The weather, I didn't know were, when were, it was going to stop. Yeah, that was, was starting it, to flounder it, a bit. It, it was pretty brutal. To be the the like. Mobile Carson stuff really, Jesus, really not honestly. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Mavrias. Oh, uh, two. Fair enough. Okay, that will leave that one there. So finally, if we were to part ways with Jack Ross, which one of the British managers' lunch club would you hide to take his place? Now, this decision doesn't need to be an actual footballing one. It's not going to be an ac- and it's not going to be like an academic decision. I've got to say, Roy, purely- I've got to say Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson. Whoa, man. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know, as soon as you said Roy Hodgson, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it, and you got me. I hope the mic doesn't cut out there because that was good. <laughs> hey, man! Oh, oh no! Oh no! No, I think I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Roy. I think there's probably who would I have. I probably, I, to, to be fair, I'd probably not have Allardyce. Uh, not, not Pulis. Not Pulis. Not, not Tony Pulis. Couldn't have Tony Pulis. I'd probably have Allardyce for both reasons, really. I probably would have Allardyce back as a manager. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's been mooted and he's, he's spoken today, yeah. I think, about it. And he said, not at this time No, for Sunderland. Very, very ambiguous. I think we kind of possibly saying yeah. in a couple of weeks when the billionaires are here, mm-hmm. maybe then yeah. I'd have him back. Well, you know, that, that that's if and when, really. I, yeah. I suppose I'd probably go on record and publicly apologise right now. This is a very good time for this. Very profound, but we're going to go for it. Um, on the Kieran Brady podcast, where so the takeover was done, that was a genuine <laughs> slip of the tongue. Um, I am not in the know, nor have I ever been in the know. If, 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 and what I meant to say is I think it's going to be done. But, you know, the die is cast now. It'll I've, be done I've, when it's done. It'll be done when it's done. You know, if I've, I've made my bed and you better believe I'm going to line it because <laughs> that that's just where we are. You know what? Actually, Andy, I told a lie. I've got one more quick fire rating for you. Go on then. Victor and Ichibi's weird voice. <laughs> I really like it. Nine. I don't. No, I do not I like that. I didn't think it would be like that, but I like it's it. It's really just like silky, but like yeah. it's not, but like in a, in, a, in an uncomfortable way. <laughs> like not silky as in like a nice piece of clothing that you that you consciously choose to wear. Like like a, like a strange ocean animal sliding past I, your leg. I, I found it soothing. I'm mm, giving it a nine. No. No, not for me. Well, I'm re- I'm rating, so you're well, not. That's so true. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's true. That's true. You're not Put wrong. that in your bed and lie with it. Uh, that's in my bed. It's in there. It's right in there with me. Victor Nietzsche's voice is right there with me, all tucked away, telling it a bedtime story. Get it? It's Night Nurse, courtesy of Jack Ross. Had half a pint left over. Anyway, I think that's a good place to leave it for today. It's still probably not quite the insanity of me and Anth last week, but you know, it's it, 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 this one was orchestrated, so it was never going to be, but thank you very much, Andy, for joining us today. Thanks been, for inviting me. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you, Lauren. Thank you for having me as well. You're very welcome. And Jimmy, you're not welcome. Yeah. I still don't like yeah, you. I never yeah. will. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, until next time in six months' time, so you can abuse me for more ratings. Yeah, look, yeah. look I mean, you, you do at least three more clangers between now and then, yeah, mate, so you know. It. So yeah, thanks, Andy and Lauren. 
Jimmy, you know, if, if, you, if you come back, do give us the heads up. I need to, you know, mentally prepare myself to, to not look at your ratings, but you know. Anyway, here's two three points against Lincoln and hopefully some more convincing results in the aforementioned ways we've spoken about. Thank you very much, everyone, and good night. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.